Would you give uh, my friend Noel Kenny a big Faith Chapel welcome as he comes on up this morning? Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Amen. Wow. <laughs> Yay. It is great to be here. This is my wife, Sharon. Sharon, will you stand up? She is. That's her little. <laughs> yeah, we're just about a foot taller than a leprechaun. And uh, we are here like to, uh, just, we're here for nearly a month in America in total. Came last 17th of February. Um, Zach and Void is over and Brad and Beth and we end up with other connections that we have. And at the end of the month, um, my daughter and her husband moved to Michigan last September. So at the end of the month, we get to spend a week with our daughter. And uh, so uh, we are grateful for the invitation and just for your generosity to us. You know, you can Skype and you can, you can FaceTime, but you can't hug an iPad, can you? And, uh, and you can't kiss an iPad, and I just can't wait to hold my girl and kiss her and, uh, and tell her everything is great in America, which it really is for her, except the weather they're having uh, up there, like they're in snow, and they're just finding their, their feet. And uh, I have lots to tell you about since I've been here, but I just don't want to take this time to this week, because believe it or not, I'm here next week. <laughs> so um, we will uh, take some time next week just to tell you some things that the Lord is just, you know, you know, what I learned from the last time I was here is exactly that statement Brad says. You don't have to be a mega church to have a mega impact. And uh, you know, when you read the Bible, lots of times it just takes one person just to impact the world and impact nations and pull down empires. Like, it's just incredible. And, and, uh, and, and we, we've just been privileged to be involved in some of that stuff. So, um, Father, would you bless your word to us? Um, we just thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. We, we just thank you for angelic singing, Lord God, and we just thank you for the privilege of joining heaven, Lord, and singing and worship and adoration of the King of Kings, Lord. And we just pray for an increase, Lord, of your presence right now, Lord. We just want to say we love you, Lord. We're so grateful for grace and your mercy. We're so grateful for saving us, Lord, and taking us out of darkness and placing us into light, Lord, and we love you, Lord. Our hearts cry today is that we love you, Lord, that you are our king and our father, and you're powerful and gentle, and we love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite scriptures is 1 Corinthians 11, and, um, and I, I come to you with, with this in mind, and, um, and I deliver what I have to say with this in mind. You know, I've been studying a book, um, some books over the last while on, on prophecy, and, um, and you know when you have something that you want to say, which something I've been saying for a couple of years, but you find, you know, somebody or some bodies in their studies and research and testimonies and experience with God, that they can somehow capture um, everything that you feel in a sentence. Do you have, have you ever got that and you go, yeah, that's exactly the way I feel. Or a, a pastor is, or a preacher is preaching something for months and years and a guest speaker comes in and they go, and all the congregation are going, that was a great message. And the pastor is saying in his head, I've been saying that for six years to you. You know, it's, it's that type of um, thing that I bring today. And, and, this, and I come with this confidence and this boldness. This is what Paul says to the Roman church. For I want... Every very much to see you, 
so that I may impart to you something, some spiritual gift to strengthen you that is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And I come with, in the humility of that scripture and yet with the boldness of that scripture that I come to, to bring something of an, a spiritual impartation that will take you to a greater place and a different place in God and, um, and, and may God be glorified. You know, one of the things that... Um, that uh, the, the, the Jewish people had above everyone else was the word of God. And uh, this is what it says in Romans 3.1. It says, so what advantage does the Jew have? Or what benefit, what is the benefit of circumcision? Considerable in every way. First, they were entrusted with the oracles of God or with the words of God. Israel had a divine, had a divine utterances of God. It gave them a prophetic advantage in their world. And I believe God wants us to be so aware of the prophetic advantage that he has given the church. If there's ever a time to have the oracle, the words of God is now in our economic and political upheaval and uncertainty in the world that we need to have the oracles of God. Listen to what Peter, one Peter says, if anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks the words of God. If anyone speaks into a situation, they should speak as if they're speaking the words of God or hearing God and declaring God. And I believe that God wants to download, wants to mantle the body of Christ afresh all across the world with a prophetic advantage. Listen to what Paul says about prophecy. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but above all, pursue that, or above all that you may prophesy. That like, you're like, what Paul says in another, trans, another um, area of Corinthians, says, I speak in tongues more than all of us. But my desire is that you all prophesy. You all hear God and you all speak God. The Lord is anointing the church uh, to communicate his heart and his mind accurately into every circumstance and every situation that we may be able to hear God. He wants to give the church a prophetic advantage. Advantage means a circumstance or condition that gives one a superior or favorable advantage. That is his heart for the church. Prophesying is simply hearing God and declaring what God says. Prophesying is God's word in our mouth. God's word in your mouth and my mouth is as, as powerful as God's word in his mouth. It is his word. You see this in the, in, the, in the book of Ezekiel. He says, son of man, prophesy. Speak. And Ezekiel, he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Only you know. And he says, now I want you to speak. God could have spoken. God's word in his mouth is powerful. But he says, man, I'm going to put it in your mouth. And you're going to see that my word in your mouth is as powerful as my word in my mouth. And he says, prophesy. And it's crazy the words that he uses. That the, the, the word that he uses in, in Genesis, when the word that for create in Genesis, when God was creating the worlds, is yatsar. It means this, to create something at the speed of a mere thought. I'm like, wow. God, that's incredible. He thinks of an elephant and it was. And, and, and I, was, I was looking at this a couple of weeks ago, this word yatsar, that, that to create at the, at the speed of a thought. And I'm like, we are made in God's images. In God's image. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, no, you can create. Yeah. At the speed of a thought. Right. 
You just catch me with a bad attitude and I'll create an atmosphere that you won't want to walk in. And I'm like, wow, that we can create. We can create an atmosphere in our home, in our community. We can speak godly atmosphere out of our mouths into spaces and places. And the, so that's create at the mere, at the speed of a mere thought. I'm like, God, you're amazing. But when it comes to creating man, it's not the same word as Yatsar, it's bara, which means like God gets down like a potter and creates. And the same word when he says, Sudaman, can these bones live, prophesy, speak this creative word? It's the same word as bara. It's to speak out, it's like to create a man out of, out of bits of bones. God's word in his mouth is as creative in our mouth. Prophecy is seeing the treasure in people and calling it out of them. The prophetic advantage of being able to say, you know what? I believe this is in your life. Seeing into the invisible, into the future. This is the prophetic advantage. Do you remember Samuel? In 1 Samuel, um, Saul is, is like going to look for these donkeys. He lost these donkeys. How do you lose a lot of donkeys? I don't know. But he lost a lot of donkeys. And then someone says to him, I know how you can have a prophetic advantage. They didn't use that word. But I know how you can have an advantage of finding those donkeys. Let's go up to the prophet. Let's go up to Samuel and ask him, Does he, can he see where them, them donkeys are? And they trot up to, to, to Samuel. And when he comes to Samuel, Samuel, Samuel doesn't see a donkey herder. He says to him, you're a king. He starts calling out the king that was in him. He starts calling out, here's a prophetic advantage, seeing the treasure in people because there's so much. We heard earlier on rejection is a disadvantage. But the prophetic advantage is calling out, even in the midst of all of that dry bones, and saying, no, there's a king or a queen or a, a prophetess or a business person within that place. Amen. Amen. And, he, and, and, and he, you know, he says this in Samuel. Read it. It's amazing that when Samuel turned to go, he left a different man. That's what it says. He left a different man. He came up as one thing. And a word from God and a declared word from God changes a man's heart. And it was in Samuel's time. It says that the word of God was, was not widespread. 1 Samuel 3. When the word of God, the heard, heard word of God and the declared word of God is not widespread, the church, the people are at a disadvantage. When they're at a disadvantage, people go after their own gods and their own things and other voices. And you see it all in the history of Israel and humanity. But when Samuel comes on the scene, this is what it says about Samuel the prophet. Not one word that he spoke fell to the ground. Everything had a creative edge on it. Everything created destiny and futures for people. It's no coincidence in Samuel's time that King David arose. That Israel was at its most um, powerful, most richest, most godly was under the, the word of God in Samuel's life. There's no wonder that Solomon was the riches and brought 40 years of peace under the rule and under the declared word from Samuel. He gave Israel a prophetic advantage. It was at this time that Samuel rose up schools of the prophets. He's like, we're going to release a people that can hear God. 
and declare God. In fact, when Saul was going down from Samuel, Samuel says, and by the way, to confirm this, you're going to meet a band of prophets. And he's walking down, and, and the prophets come down with their harps and their lyres and their flutes, singing and praising God. Because it's not the prophetic advantage is not limited to just speech. And in fact, it says a band of prophets came. It's the first time a place in literature that you will see the word band and musicians together. And he came down and he started to prophesy like the rest of the prophets. He set up the school because he knew that Israel would have a prophetic advantage over their enemy. It's this prophetic advantage that Daniel had that could interpret visions and dreams that made him 10 times better than anyone else in, in the whole of, 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 of the kingdom that they were brought to. I believe that, that this is a prototype of a generation that God wants to raise up, to have a prophetic, did you hear that, raise up? <laughs> I'm like, come on, that was creative. He wants to raise up young people to have a breath of knowledge in all manners of things. Isaiah 11 talks about the seven spirits of God, which we know there's no seven Holy Spirits. But the seven manifestation of the Holy Spirit is what I believe he wants to give us as our prophetic advantage. It's paralleled in, in Revelations when it says this in five, Revelations 5 and 6 says, Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb slanted between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into the earth. The seven manifestations of the spirit is to bring God's rule and God's dominion. It's to bring a manifestation of heaven and earth. And according to Revelation, it's been sent into the earth. It's the Holy Spirit who was poured out, who was being poured out, and will be poured out. He has already, he is today, and he will be tomorrow. Poured out into the air to bring to an advantage, to bring the advancement of the kingdom of God. And, God. and the Bible says, who can have this? Everyone. All your sons and daughters. That we're not just supposed to be, have a few prof prophets, which we should have prophets in the office, but we should have a people that are prophetic in nature. Amen. That we are called, your sons and daughters, your men and your women, your old and your young will have dreams and, and visions, and they will have words, and they will have prophecies, and they will speak out the things of God. That's God's intention for the church. That's God's intention for the earth. And this, it says, this is the seven... Um, Manifestations of the Spirit according to Isaiah. The, that we would have the spirit of wisdom. Creativity. It's the same word creativity that is used when God was creating the earth. Proverbs 3.19 says, The Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. This prophetic anointing gives us the ability to see into the realm of the Spirit. Listen to what creativity is. Creativity is the ability to see that which is waiting to exist. 
Creativity is the ability to see that which is waiting to exist. And, God, and it says that God has sent the Spirit and the manifestation of the Spirit to give us a prophetic advantage is to, for us to, be, to have the ability to see that which is waiting to exist. Creativity transcends and um, Traditions, ideas, patterns, rules, relationships, and to create meaningful new ideas, patterns, methods, forms, and interpretation. Creativity is originality and progressiveness. And the Lord wants to pour his spirit out in the spirit of wisdom that is creative. I don't believe the best books is ever in the, in the world is written already. I don't believe the best songs have been written by people like that have died already. I believe they're waiting to be written now. I believe that God wants to give ideas and creativity to, 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 to heal diseases, to create new methods and new rhythms and new beats and new sounds and new lyrics, and to create new businesses and new ways of outreaching, new ways of reaching into the world, new ways of gathering people in, and he wants to give it to the church. I'm like, why should non-believers have all the ideas? But God wants to give it to somebody. And he wants to give us, the church, the prophetic advantage so the church can advance. You know, somebody came up with the idea of Facebook. You know what I'm saying? You look in the last couple of centuries and you will see lots and lots of inventions came through believers. You look it up, the amount of Christians that created like lights and, and sounds and all types of things. Another manifestation, according to Isaiah, is the spirit of counsel. This anointing gives us the ability to strategize and the ability to devise a plan of action. That God wants to give us the, the spirit to strategize. To be able to devise a plan and to move us into action. You see it all through the scriptures. You see it in, 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 in whatever your man's name is. You see in Elijah's life. He devised a plan. He set up an altar. He called down heaven's fire. You see it in, in places in the scriptures. Walk around the wall. Devise a plan. Walk around the wall. Here's an action. Blow trumpets at the wall. Speak to the wall, shout to the wall. The spirit of counsel, the word for counsel is co-ed, which it means to be brought into an inner circle where private plans are divulged. That we're called into the council of heaven. God says, this is our plan. Everybody wants the network. What about this for a network? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Come on. I'm like, hey, I want to bring you into this network, son. I want to show you plans and give you ways to devise and give you ways to bring that to pass, to pass and to put action to it. It's to be brought into the inner circle. It's to be able to hear God. Like Isaiah, hearing God, the Trinity. Who will we send? Who will go? He was brought into the council room of God, the, the, the strategizing room of God. Yet we have a plan, but who will go? He will bring this message. And Isaiah is brought in to hear. And his only response is, I'll go. Here I am. Send me. And if, he's like, if, you're like, if he was like me going, now what will I do again, Lord? <laughs> How will I do that? Spirit of might. 
not a manifestation. You see Elijah operating in the spirit of might when he calls down the fire of heaven that breaks up a whole witchcraft network of a nation. <laughs> I'm like, God wants us to have that prophetic advantage. That he gives us a plan in the council war room of God. And then the spirit of might is on us to actually call this down. Samson had the spirit of might on him. And according to Eli, uh, Isaiah, that this is one of the manifestations of the spirit, this is what gives us a prophetic advantage. Have you ever done something that you know the Holy Spirit was on that was way out of any might or strength you have? Isn't it an incredible experience? I've, I've had uh, like two real threats on my life to be killed, to be shot. And the uh, Spirit of God came upon me. One time he says to me, Noel, what can man do to you? I'm telling you, I grew to nine foot tall. <laughs> In myself, <laughs> I was shrinking to one foot. <laughs> I was in a meeting. I, was in, I met this man. Spirit of might. Met this man. And his wife was in the kitchen. And we were in the sitting room. And uh, he starts manifesting a demon. And I don't know about you, but in, in the natural self, it's scary. A room torn ice cold. He starts manifesting with this voice that made me toes curl. And I'm like looking at the window like, do I jump out? How do I get out of this place? And the Spirit of the Lord says, you do not be afraid, son. It's like pumping up the muscle. <laughs> this is the truth. I says, I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm going home. I gets over to the door and he stands in front of the door and he takes out a knife about that size. It's too late. The Spirit of might was already on me. I says, move out of the way. I'm going home to my wife. I don't know whether he was afraid of me or afraid of Jesus or afraid of Sharon. I don't know. <laughs> but he moved out of the way like something out of Star Wars. And I gets into the car. I kid you not, I hyperventilated. <laughs> All the way home. <laughs> 10 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour. 10 miles an hour, <laughs> I goes home, this is a kitchen of Sharon, I walks in the door, Sharon was doing the ironing. She says, Noel, are you okay? Yeah, take off all your clothes. I'm like, oh, happy day. <laughs> she says, there's a stench of death off you. She says, I've been praying and interceding for your life tonight. Isn't that incredible? The spirit of might where you, you become fearless. And this is one of the uh, advantages that God wants to give us, the church. And another is the spirit of knowledge. And this is not just a spirit of, of, of um, intellectual abilities. The spirit of understanding, which I think I missed, is where God gives your intellect a boost. An upgrade to be able to discern and to be able to, to interpret spiritual truths. Where God is interacting with our intellect. The spirit of understanding. Well, the spirit of knowledge is different. It's, 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 it's knowing things by experience. 
Because God is not just a God to be believed in. God is a God to be experienced. And there's so many of the body of Christ across the world that has an intellectual knowledge of God but haven't got an experiential knowledge of God. And they run down the other part of the body that has an experiential knowledge of God. What I love about experiential knowledge of God is it can't be robbed. Intellectual, intellectuality around the word of God can be argued. Someone can come with a different perspective from the same scripture. Some believe once saved, always saved. Some believe you can lose your salvation and, the, and they'll use the same scriptures. So you can have a, a, an intellectual argument or a theological argument around the word of God and walk away discouraged. But when you've experienced God, no devil, no man, no intellect, no ability can rob that on you. Because you, it's like denying you exist. When I became a believer first, we, know, no, we, we didn't hear the gospel. We didn't know the gospel. We didn't know Jesus. We never seen someone come to tell anyone about Jesus. We didn't have food for water. We, honestly, we lived in a country that religion dominated, and it was crazy. When we became believers, 22nd of March, 1989, a Tuesday evening at 9.40 in the National Stadium in Dublin, Evangelist Reinhard Bonnke had spoke. My friend had done all the groundwork, gave us tickets to go and hear Reinhard Bonnke. Myself and Sharon went forward on the same night to give our lives to the Lord. We, someone took a photograph 10 years later, got it blown up and handed it to me and Sharon. And in the midst of this crowd of people giving their lives to the Lord, there's me and Sharon with our hands up. We were only this height at the time, really. <laughs> and I walked out of that place and I knew that I knew that. I was 22, I walked in like I felt as old as 180 years of age. I was 22, I carried the weight of the world on my shoulders. I was full of guilt, I was full of shame. I, my community was a community where, you, you know, we didn't get delivery from, for pizzas or anything like that, because pizza people be robbed, and you couldn't get a job if you gave her an address in it where we lived, and, and it just a community shame, a personal shame, and, and I carried that, and when I gave my life to the Lord, I knew my sins were forgiven. I knew, I didn't see flashes of light, I didn't have angels sing over me, but I knew that I knew that I was cleansed whiter than the snow. And we walked out and I said to Sharon, we need to tell everybody this good news. We had found the treasure and we wanted to go and tell everyone else where the field was. And we went back and we met some religious people and they knew scriptures and theology. And we were, sharing, we were in Sharon's dad's house. I thought I could change the world with John 14, 6. So I was only a week saved. Jesus is the way to true and the life. And these people threw in all these other things and I was confused. And, and I said, hang on, hang on, hang on. Last Tuesday, I went into a place with darkness. I heard a message and I came out with son of the light. My sins were rampant and now I'm forgiven. I had addiction and now I don't. My eyes are closed, now they're open. I don't know, I can't argue with you, but I want to tell you, you can't take this away from me. And Sharon's father, who wasn't a believer at the time, says, now he's talking about the same Jesus that you're supposed to be talking about. He got it, he got that this cannot be robbed from us. And God wants to let us experience his presence. He wants us to bring us in, to, to give us victories. Can you imagine someone saying to David, there's no way you killed that giant. David reaches behind, takes his head up, oh yeah? I've had this experience. This is not a theory. This is an experience. The last one is the fear of the Spirit of the Lord. My goodness, do we need this today? 
that we will reverentially walk before him. You know that way where Moses takes off his shoes? That type of fear of his awesomeness and his majesty and his power. And I believe, there's my alarm going off, praise the Lord. And I believe God wants to give us this advantage. I believe he wants to give you, O'Fallon, Faith Chapel, you as an individual, you as a family, he wants to give you this prophetic advantage. Could we stand, please? And Paul says in Corinthians, he says, I want you all to desire these things. <laughs> and it's like, it can be spoken, it can be declared, but we have to pick it up. It's like Elijah dropping the mantle, dropping the cloak. It would have been a great thing to be left there and Elijah go, wow, let's build a church around this cloak. Let's cut her up and sell it. <laughs> but that wasn't what was required. The requirement was pick it up. Take it up. And you know the story, he, he, he wraps it around his hand and then he hits the ground. Where's the God of Elijah? I want to serve the God of Elijah. I want to experience the God of Elijah. I want to experience the spirit of Mike come on me and me to outrun a chariot. I want the spirit of Mike to come upon me and, 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 and I build an altar. And I pull down networks. In fact, he enforced what Elijah started. What Elijah prophet over Jezebel, Elisha seen it come to pass. Paul says desire. My prayer is, Lord, would you bring our desires into alignment with your desires? that you desire that we all prophesy, we all hear God, we all speak God, we all call out treasure, we all have the creative ability when we hear God's word in our mouth creating things in front of us. And it's activated by voice. Son of man, speak. Son of man, declare what I've told you. Son of man, hear and declare. And my prayer is ears be open. To hear the things of the Spirit of God today, right now. What God has spoke into your life, over your life, He wants to speak through your life. Amen. He wants us to know and you to know the creative power of His Word in your mouth. That if there's something going on for you, don't just settle for it. Get before God, hear God and start speaking to that thing. Speaking to that circumstance and stances, asking God for his counsel. Asking him for his strategy, asking him for his plan, asking him for the action. Would you put your hand on the shoulder beside you? I hope it doesn't freak you out, but just the shoulder. If you're new, um, what a great day to be in church. I'm just going to ask the Lord, as we have a few minutes left, that he would just download into your heart right now a word, a picture, a vision, a scripture, that you would pray for the person beside you. Because it has to be activated in every one of us. 
and it's sound activated and voice activated. And the scripture, New Testament ministry seems to be out of Corinthians around prophecy. That's to build up the strength and edify. If what you receive doesn't build up strength and edify, keep it. That's the, that's the boundary lines. Well, it's within those boundary lines. Would you just start praying for that person? Would you start saying, if you've got something from God, if you haven't got anything yet, just bless them. Speak blessing over them. Ask that God, the spirit of might, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of wisdom, the creativeness and progressiveness of God in their life and in their world would be so manifest, would be so evident. New business to be created, new ideas, new inventions. New medical breakthroughs, new technology breakthroughs. New ways of reaching families, new ways of reaching communities and cities and even nations. Prayers to be prayed, declarations to be declared. Let's be bold. Be bold. There's a story in Ireland about a, a king. We had lots of kings. They were kings over clans. And they, there was a king called Brian Baru. And Brian Baru was facing the air enemy at the time, which was the English army who had oppressed the nation for 800 years. And Brian Baru, look at seeing how Braveheart faces the enemy in, in the fields where they used to set up their, the lines of army. And all Brian's counsel says we can't go against them. They have, they're too great in might. And because the land, it was the land that was at stake. It was the people of the land of Ireland that was at stake. Brian Baru says we have to go. And his counsel says we can't go. We're taking the men back. And the counsel and all of the men um, turned and started walking away from the battle. And they turned around and they seen Brian Baru going on his own up the hill. To face the enemy. And when the men turned around and seen him, they joined ranks again with him, and there was a great victory won that day. And I just believe while we were worshiping that God put that story in my heart. I haven't told that story in 20 something years. But it's like a picture of this church that you're gonna go where even some of the rest of the body doesn't wanna go. But you're going to take ground that some of the body doesn't even know exists yet. And there may be times when you have to go alone. There may be times when you have to stand out from the crowd. But the Lord has put his spirit in you to be able to do that. To say, no, this ground of healing is worth fighting the enemy for. This ground of the things of the spirit is worth fighting the enemy for. The spirit of wisdom is a spirit of creativity. It's originality. And I believe God is and wants to bless you as a church with originality. That you will be a voice and that you will not be an echo. You will be a voice and you will not be an echo. 
You will not just be repeating what others have said. You will say it for them to repeat in Jesus' name. I just release impartation of creativity, originality, progressiveness. Seeing things that are waiting to exist in Jesus' great name. I bless you. I pray that the words that God has given you, if you haven't got time to give them in those few moments, that during the cup of tea or cup of coffee time, you'll be able to hear and you'll be able to deliver to someone else. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You see why we love him? If you, uh, if you want a second round for second service, I'll guarantee it won't come out the same way. So you're more than welcome to. If the Lord gave you a word for that person you are praying with, if it builds up, if it edifies, if it strengthens, please take the time to share it with them before you leave. And uh, Noel already let you know, uh, he, quote, messed up on his schedule and scheduled to be here for 10 days. And uh, he's like, Brad, I don't know how I did it. But he skipped the last week of February and the first week of March. And I'm like, it's a divine appointment. You're supposed to be here. And so he's going to be speaking for our youth this Thursday night. So youth, make sure you get your friends here, okay? Chance, bring all your buddies with you, okay? And uh, it's going to be a great Thursday. And I said, Manny, you're here. You're going to preach for us next Sunday too. Um, so and uh, so it, it, this is just a divine appointment of the Lord. So you've got friends that need this. Make sure they're here next week. And uh, if the Lord gave you something to prophesy it, prophesy it over someone, all right? I'm going to bless you guys. It's 1030. You're, you're some of the most generous people in the world. And I appreciate not only what you do for one day, I appreciate what you do for others all the time. I mean, we collect and commit to $68,000 last week, and then we're giving shoes this week. That's, that's who you guys are. And uh, I'll guarantee you, God knows it, and he trusts you, and he'll flow through you. So, Lord, I thank you for your people. I bless them in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that, that they are a voice and not an echo. And I thank you that we see what our Father is doing, and we will mimic it on earth. I thank you that we hear what our Father is saying, and we will activate it. We will speak it. I thank you, God, that your word in our mouth is just as powerful as your word in your own mouth, because it's your word. God, we thank you for that. God, I ask in Jesus' name that every house would be divinely covered, and I pray that with every step that they take, that the God of peace would crush Satan underneath their feet. In the name of Jesus, amen.